next big move. You took down the big ass spider. Are you ready to fight a big ass cockroach? I am ready to fight a big ass cockroach. Yes. For those of you who know, you know what he's talking about, I did a movie called Big Ass Spider, which was an absolute blast. I produced it and started it with um, Lombardo Boyard, who is a genius. If you have you guys seen the movie? Any of you guys see it? It's it's on Netflix now, and it's it. it I didn't expect it to be as good as it was um, when I first got the script. Mike Mendez, who's a really great filmmaker in Epic Pictures, um, Ray Wise is in the movie, and Claire Kramer, and uh, the special effects are amazing. Um, it really turned into something that I am so proud of, and uh, we're hoping to do a sequel. The problem is, the first movie, um, there was a, a Pakistani company that did the special effects, and they did it for hardly any money because they needed their foothold in Hollywood. They got their foothold now they're charging what they should be charging. So <laughs> a sequel is just so expensive, 700 effect shots. And uh, um, But anyway, if you haven't seen it, check out Big Ass Spider. It's really worth it. It's 10 times better than Sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> big words. Yes, big words. I am guilty for saying that. But anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Um. I run a magazine about charity stuff. Uh, could you tell me about your charity involvement? Sure. Um, it's consumed me. It's my most important thing that I do in my life. And uh, I wish I could only do that. I really do. It's so rewarding. Uh, it started out, my, my oldest son has epilepsy. So the one thing that I learned, my wife and I learned, is that there's a huge stigma attached to, to the world of epilepsy. When you see someone out of seizure, it's scary. So there's a stigma, no one's to talk about it, and no one, you know, um, you don't know that people around you have the potential to have a seizure, and a lot of people don't know what to do, they say they know what to do. Um, even like EMTs, or teachers, or doctors, I've talked, I speak, and people are like, I know what to do, and they're wrong, because there's just, over the years, there's been so, so many you know, misconceptions and, and uh, old wives tales. Never stick anything in anyone's mouth when they have a seizure, by the way. That is absolutely incorrect. Anyway, so the only thing I could do, uh, outside of just holding my son and watching him have a seizure, was um, get him care that he needed, and then as a you know a recognizable face, I was like, let's try and end this stigma. Let's just talk about it. So I started talkaboutit.org, and it's been really successful. It's a place where people can go who have something to do with epilepsy or don't, and you just can, you know, there's celebrities on there that, that kind of trick you to the site, and then, like, Jennifer Garner asked the question, can you carry a baby full-term and have epilepsy? Of course, the answer is yes. And so she freezes and they go to an expert, they go to a doctor for the answers. So celebrities ask the questions. And then we have a subway theme. Um, so each stop is a different, you know, anti-bullying and this and that, whatever. And all my friends, um, and even people I don't even consider my friends, uh, <laughs> celebrities, I just did not take notes. So it's a really great site. Everybody on there is just so generous to give their time, and uh, I'm really proud of it. And I've got a band called Band from TV, which is me and James Denton, Scott Grimes, Jesse Spencer, Adrian Pazdar, Hugh Laurie, um, Jorge Garcia, uh, tons of people. And we play for uh, to raise money for all of our various charities. So if you don't know about that, you can go to uh, bandfromtv.org, not B-A-N-N-E-D. That's not yet. We're still hanging in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, band from TV.org. You see all the charities that we support. And then we always have guests. I mean, from you know, from Wayne Brady and Joey, uh, you know, um, Fatone to uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jennifer Garner and whoever else. People come up all the time and join us. 
Um, and we are really proud of it. So that's something that we, we've raised in uh, eight years, we've raised over $5 million for charities. So that's really, I'm really proud of it. I wish we could be here. I mean, it'd be so much fun to have have a party where we're just, we're the greatest family in the planet. So, yeah. I'm definitely going. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming to GMX. We really Please. appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. Um, what first led you to acting? Uh, reacting? No. I don't know what that means. That's like a really high fluid question. Um, I was just always um, interested in getting a reaction Really, you know, like that's where it really starts from um, making someone laugh, so making someone cry, making you know something, just some sort of reaction. It started off as making someone laugh, and you know, um, growing up in LA, my oldest friend in the world is JJ Abrams, and we met when we were four. So from there, he's making movies, and I'm starring in all of them. And I'm nine years old, and you know, getting stabbed in the heart, <laughs> and, uh, and he's holding the camera here and stabbing me with his other hand. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but that's really where, where it started was I always just loved entertaining and loved doing that. Um, and then it wasn't a traditional route. It wasn't like, I mean, I did it through, through elementary school. I, you know, I was in theater and, um, but then having friends around me that were doing it, I would, you know, try writing and, and helping like Matt Reeves is one of my oldest friends too. So Matt, I produced his student film at USC, his, his, you know, thesis film. With Brian Burke, and, and Burke now runs you know, that robot with JJ. It's very incestuous group we have going on. But it it's amazing how many people that um, now looking back that are really close friends um, are are you know doing things. And luckily, I'm still friends with all of them. They've been generous enough. As an actor, I'm kind of the only actor in that group. And as an actor, you really are kind of at the mercy. I mean, now I'm producing and trying to get stuff going on my own, but. It's you're really at the mercy of other people hiring you. You know, um, it's like the other thing I do, play the drums. You can't really just do that. You know, it's not like you know everybody. Like, all people do is complain when you play the drums by yourself. You know, you need people to play with you. I need people to play with me as an actor, and I've been lucky enough that my friends want to work with me and keep you know hiring me. And uh, so I've been really lucky, and and I've been part of some of the coolest projects. I think mean, you know that have been made. So I've been really lucky. Yeah. All right. Well, we love your work on Heroes, of course. Thank um, you. you know, and all these superhero movies are coming out. So, if you had your pick of any superhero franchise character you could play in a movie, who would you pick? Uh, wow. In a movie franchise? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to do the movie version of Heroes. That would be so incredible. I love my role. I have to say, I get asked this all the time. I know it sounds, you know, like the easy answer, but I was, you know, I don't think I would have chosen any other role. Than the one I had on Heroes, just because it was internal, it was the brain, it was a personal thing. You know, flying is cool, and then okay, <laughs> um, and then you know, stopping time and going back in time was like okay, that solves every problem on the show. Why don't we just go back in time and everything's fine? But this was like it was a really internal struggle, and then finding I just I love the role. I thought it was you know the role of lifetime. Um, until this role that I just had. Uh, but I'm really, uh, I, I, I have to say, that would probably be it, you know. Um, and it's opened up such a world for me. Um, this genre is my favorite. It's always been my favorite. And so, you know, just be to step into it and then be a recognizable face in that world where someone will call and say, hey, do you want to start in this other movie? Or, you know, um, any of the other things that I've done, you know, just it helps kind of um, give me street cred in that world and 
and the world that you know, I would come to this convention in a second. I mean, this is this is what I love, and uh, I'm walking around buying T-shirts here. It's like you know, it's fun, and everybody's great, and everybody has a passion for it. So anyway, I'm really lucky to be to to, to be able to have that character to lean on, and then use it to to, to you know, hopefully. I haven't, you know, like people will go, hey, you're just in that part. And hopefully, you know, they'll accept me in other characters, other roles. All right. Well, I got another one. So you're, so you're a drummer, co-host of my show, It's Man's World. He's a drummer, too. Cool. We always ask him, you know, who, who is the best drummer of all time in rock and roll? <sighs> Who's you uh, listen I to? I say John Bonham. Yeah, I mean, John Bonham, um, <laughs> Neil Peart, you know, uh, any of these guys. You, 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 Dave Grohl is my favorite. Dave Grohl. For me, Stan Lynch, because he's the drummer for Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, and he has such a meter. And I've, I said this before, I, I was on the, the, in this magazine, uh, Musicians Magazine, for because of cherry work. And they were like, who's your favorite drummer? And I was like, Stan Lynch. You know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, hello, hi, Stan Lynch. <laughs> no one's ever mentioned my name before. Hello, I love you. <laughs> you know? And then, of course, I, last week, Tom Petty was playing uh, in L.A. And I was like, hey, Stan Lynch, remember that band I did for you? <laughs> I'd love to go to the show. And he's like, dude, I haven't toured in years. So there's, you know, he's, but he is amazing. Like, that's what I listened to growing up was like Warren Zevon and, and, uh, and, you know, Tom Petty and T-Bone Burnett. I mean, I went to go see T-Bone, you know, now doing music for movies and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was, but, but I also listen to, like my kids now, I have two drum sets sitting at home like this. You can't teach someone how to play the drums unless they're left-handed because it's like a mirror image, right? So my kids sit there and I'll show them a little bit. Anyway, they're listening to impossible drum beats that are synthesized and synced and, you know, auto-tuned, you know, whatever, auto-tuned version of drumming. It's, it's not the same thing, um, but whatever, whatever inspires you. I mean, I was in the police growing up. Holy crap, man. You know, Stuart Goldman, come on. I mean, these guys were amazing. And I'd never catch up to them. I'd never be able to do it. And I'm self-taught. Like, somebody says, hey, do paradiddle. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I can play that song that you want to play, you know. And luckily, we play covers in the band. So uh, it's easy for me. Um, how old were you when you first started playing drums? And what was the first song you ever learned? Good question. Um, on the song part, I was 13 when I started playing the drums, 12, 13. Um, and, um, I, it was a, it was a Rush song. <laughs> 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 it's, just, it's impossible. <laughs> or, or it was like Van Halen. You know, it's like, I hear, there's a kid online right now on YouTube. The first time I've ever seen somebody play. You know, or it's like, you know, at the beginning of that song, it's like, that's impossible. It's an engine is what we're listening to. It's not even drums. This kid's doing it on the drums with double bass and the whole thing. So um, I forgot. Uh, yeah, that or Entertainment, man. One of those two. Got to play that. I have to play it. Must play it, you know. But it's fun. It's really fun. And that, that like, playing with a band is, and being the drummer, like, you make a mistake. Everybody, you know, everybody's like, they look at you. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you can't make a mistake. Like, if you make a mistake, please do not look at me. Right. right. Keep, Keep going. Because going. Exactly. then, if, even if the audience didn't hear, now they know. Exactly. Thank you, Terry Hatcher. <laughs> we were playing, we were playing this gig. Like, Huge gig. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we're, we started off playing. She was like, I'm sorry, wait, hold it. Stop, stop. 
She looks back. She's like, somebody is off on the drum. I'm like, come on, Terry! <laughs> the sweetest. I'm like, what are you doing? And that's just part of, like, by the way, that's when we act. It's like, yeah, cut, 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 cut. Let's go back. You can't do that on stage, you know? Um, it makes for a great part of our show because it's very rat packy, and I went after her, and she went after me. It was just fun, you know. But still, it's like playing the drums is just—it's—it uh, gives me that rush that I don't get. Joe was asking me earlier about like uh, if I um, uh, if I do theater, and I haven't done theater because I have a family, three boys, and it's just—it doesn't pay to uh, for me to do it. I wish that I could. I wish I could take time off and do a play. I've been offered. Um, stuff that I, that could really be amazing parts for me to challenge, challenge me. Um, but that's where I get that feeling of playing in front of a live audience and also the teamwork of like, we're all in this together, you know. It's like if you drop the ball, we all have to either keep going or, pick up, you know, whatever. So, or unplug Adrian, which is another thing we do. It's easy to do. <laughs> All right, well, I got a curveball for you. Then I, I watched yeah. a, a sitcom you're on ABC. I don't, don't remember the name of it, but I remember the specific episode where you were married to uh, a lady, and then you got on an airplane and sat beside Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh yes, who was on your celebrity list of people to sleep with if if you know if you ran into them. Yeah. So that led me into: Has anyone ever come up to you and said you were on their celebrity oh, list? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And, and, and none of those guys have been good looking, you know. <laughs> that my wife would allow me to do that. Oh my god. First of all, if you look up Greg Grunberg, like you Google it, the first search is Greg Grunberg Bear. Oh. I mean, it's the first search. So I've got to explain that to my 10 year old. He's like, what is this, Dad? And then when we watch baseball, I have to explain to him why you call a doctor if your erection lasts more than four hours. <laughs> why, why, when I'm watching baseball, do I have to answer that question? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a really funny question. And also, Jen, I didn't know love. Okay, so, so we met, um, and I've been on her show now. You know, we did, um, I forgot the name of the show. Uh, anyway, she had the show on Lifetime, and I played this guy, you know, for, for a long time on the show. She is... Amazing. We've become really good friends. Um, we have a couple projects we're trying to get going together, but on that show, suddenly we got thrown into, you know, on the plane. If you didn't see it, it's called Love Bites, and it was like it was like a comedy version of the Twilight Zone because every episode was something new. It was all about love and relationships and whatever. And the only constant, oh, no pun intended, but Constance Zimmer and I were married. And so he went to us and it was like this married couple, and this they were Brilliant. Cindy Shupak ran the show. She's so such a great writer. And we got to do really a lot of really fun stuff. But mine was and everybody's got that list. Yes. Everybody's got this list that apparently, like, you know, your wife's like, okay, you can do it. That's if you ever see that person. And so we pull up at the airport and I see Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know, unloading her bags. And I look at my wife and she's like, Oh, go stallion. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's really gonna happen. And then you got to me in first class, and, and somebody comes over and goes, Would you mind switching? Could you stop? No, I'm, I'm not in first class. And she goes, My baby's crying, and this is my nanny. Could you? And I end up sitting right next to oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I'm like, What? And she asked me to join the Mile High Club with her in the bathroom. And, uh, you'll have to see the episode to find out what happened. But all of a sudden, I'm in the in this tight bathroom with with love. It's awesome, awesome. I love my job. <laughs> That's pretty great. Pretty great. 
Yes. Um, so I was playing the game L.A. Noir. Yes. And I um, I love this game. I love the kind of pioneering you know technology with the spatial recognition that they're doing. It's like nothing I've ever seen before when I played it. Yeah. So I'm like, holy crap! There's the cop from Heroes, and there's like seven dudes from Mad Men. Yeah. And so I'm wondering a couple things like. You guys like all have the same agent or something, or <laughs> my mom made the game. <laughs> but mainly, like, it's um, a great question, by the way. But and also maybe like, um, can you talk about that technology, like the filming of that? If there was anything weird yeah. that was going on, yeah, it was. It was incredible. First of all, there's a buddy of mine, Tom Ham. He runs uh, creative for uh, Machinima now. Tom, he's been a judge at E3. He was a um, just like this. I mean, this is how I met Tom. We were doing an Alias DVD release, and I looked out, and there's this huge Korean dude just standing there. He's like, I got a question, and he's the greatest guy. Okay, like most actors I know, they're like, yeah, yeah, and they walk away, and they never get me. I'm like, you know, you and I could be friends for the rest of our life. That's what happened. Tom came up, we started talking, and then he moved out from Virginia. Anyway, he's so tied into the, uh, to the gaming world, and I love games. Played them. Um, I love technology. I created an app. I'm like, oh, I'm into that stuff. And <clears throat> so he tells a bunch of people that I would love to be in games. And luckily, there's kind of a crossover audience, right? That so these game guys are like, what? That part? Then holy shit! Yeah. yeah. So they call me up, and I've been in Halo. I've been in Condemned. I've been. I've done all these games that I love. And even if I'm an ND voice, it doesn't even matter. If I'm just screaming and I'm yelling, I'm in the game. I can play the game and go. Ah, that's <laughs> yeah. And most people are like, yeah, whatever. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, JJ and I are playing. He's like, dude, doesn't even. Anyone <laughs> sound like you yelling to his death? You know whatever. This game was, um, first of all, the, the Mad Men. The reason why Mad Men is because you think about it, it's a period show. Yeah. Those faces have to be period. It's L.A. Noir. Okay. So they went to that cast, and I think it was the same casting director, and got all these great people. So I was supposed to do, like, a lot of things. I was supposed to do um, uh, one role that was, like, I forgot which role. And I couldn't do it because of schedule, um, which just screwed me up on a couple of things. Um, one was Star Trek. JJ had this unbelievable role for me in Star Trek. I couldn't do it. I ended up being the, you know, voiceover of the, the Spock's stepdad. So, but it's um, that kind of thing where I was like so bummed I couldn't do it because I heard about the technology too at that time. It was unbelievable. So revolutionary and new. Yeah, yeah. There, there was um, so so anyway. I get the call. He they want me to come down and do this thing. So what is it? It's um, I think forty eight cameras in one huge room and all the cameras are just like in a globe just all around you and the camera that you're talking to is right in front of you you can't move so I couldn't use my hands I'm Jewish so that's impossible <laughs> so I was like how's anybody going to hear me <laughs> so anyway I'm, I'm, I can't use my hands and I can't this is just about as far as I can go you know and uh, so they're really, you know, using from here up. But it wasn't like they put dots on my face. It wasn't like any of that stuff, you know. We just did Star Wars, and one of the actors every day would start with the, you know, stuff. And I was lucky. This technology, it was a massive white room like we had on Alias. It was like this clean room. And then they had another room filled with computers. So, and then because it was computer, you know, capture, motion capture. It wasn't even motion capture. It was I don't even know what you call it. It's like video motion capture, crazy technology, right? 
You can't have any flyaways. So you can't, I can't, you can't have the Pee Wee Herman thing I got going. Right? You can't do it. So you get there, they have to put basically a Devo, you have to turn your head into a Devo helmet and like spray it and spray it and then bake it. I mean, not one flyaway because then it would moke it. It'll, uh, what's it called? Uh, I forgot my name. I don't like a shirt. Uh, mosaics, not mosaics. But anyway. Pixelates. Yeah, pixelates. Okay. okay. So I went through this process the first day. Hair and makeup through about two hours, and it's me. It's not like I'm going through creature, you know, makeup. Two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, and the uh, the room with the computers overheats. Mm. Um, so they're like, "Dude, we're so sorry." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" So then I went out and I did a movie. I came back and I had to went through the whole process again. They were still doing it, and I did it, and it was uh, it was awesome because you're staring at a camera. There's a picture of the Mona Lisa. Right, so her eyes were right in, in the middle of the camera lens, I mean, on, on either side of the camera lens. There's something about, obviously, about her face that they wanted you to um, just be as I don't know. You put you put that face there, and and I, and I uh, but I did every line. I had to do them different ways, and the director was in the other room, and he was just calling it out. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done, and you know, it's sort of this version of me. <laughs> you know, if you look at it, it's like, it's a little, but it looks really a lot like me. And I like it, I started in this other game, Condemned, where it doesn't look like me at all. It's kind of better looking at me. So I'm like, that's, that's not bad. But this was just so cool that it was so accurate. And also, LA in the 30s, it was accurate. And you're driving around LA, I mean, I grew up there, not the 30s, but I, mean, I grew up and I'm like, oh my God, right on Wilshire Boulevard right now. And it's the same streets, it's the same thing. So it was just awesome. Really, really cool. You mentioned Star Wars. How does it feel to be an episode seven? Um, it, absolutely, the thrill of my life, um, the role of my life, and and I, and I don't have a huge role. I was there for six weeks, so it's not tiny. But I mean, comparatively, it doesn't even matter. That's the thing I kept saying um, was that you know I said to JJ, I was like, look, I don't care what it is. Like Lost, he's like, come out to Hawaii. We're going to shoot this thing. I want you to do this thing in Lost. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I get there and they're fitting me for a, you know, a, a pilot uniform and, and I got killed in five minutes, you know, <laughs> but again, who cares? I was like, I'm a pilot, I'm lost. They got killed. I was like so excited. This like, obviously just to another level. And it was so weird because you're there and all the classic characters are there and it's, and, uh, it, I, you know, I obviously can't say anything at all about who I am or what I do or whatever, but what we're shooting and, JJ yells cut and he comes over to me and JJ, after every take, is like, holy shit, it's Star Wars! <laughs> I mean, that's how my, he's a fucking crazy fan, and so am I, and we're like, what are we doing? And so it was that kind of thing every day, you know, and then I, dailies and stuff that he'd be looking at, I'd sneak, uh, you know, looking over his shoulder at lunch or something and go, oh my god, that's a poster right there. Like, it's so beautiful, so iconic. It's exactly what we want, and I'm I'm saying we on that side of the table, not on this side. Of the table. Like I was like, wow, this is not, um, you know, uh, yeah, this is not somebody else's Star Wars. This is true to Lucas. This is like not even the. I, I'm not a huge fan of the older movies, just me personally. It is taking us back to exactly what we want, you know. Very little digital, mostly practical effects. It's so cool, man, unbelievable. And then the things that I got to do. Are ridiculous, <laughs> crazy, ridiculous. So I just hope, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, nobody saw these scripts either. It's all top secret. 
You don't see any, I mean, as an actor, you get it, you prepare the night before, you go in, you know your stuff. Nope. Like, it was like, here's your pages. Like, when you got there, here are your pages, sign out for them. And they're in that special paper that can't be photographed. We had, um, I can tell you all this stuff, which is really fun and cool, is constantly uh, paparazzi drones over the set. Yeah. Um, there was something like that in the UK where they had a full... That's where I was. Helping. Yeah, so we're there, and the Millennium Falcon, we've all seen the fucking Millennium Falcon. I was like, what is going on? The X-Wings are there, which I was like, oh, you know, so excited to see them. I do have a question about the X-Wings. Are they like a Mark II? Because they're different from the original trilogy. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I'll tell you, no, it was just cool that, like, that, that was the thing. It was like, J.J. was bummed that stuff got out, because he's leaking really cool stuff anyway. Um, he is going back and forth with Christopher Nolan and they're sending from Batman to yeah. and it's cool but the stuff that people got I was like what does it really matter like this aerial shot of, I mean the, the base so yeah you did see that that was that's a base they've never shot there before this area that we shot it was really cool but the, the vehicles and the planes and stuff it's all stuff that's been established you know for 30, 40, 50 whatever the years ago so that kind of made everybody feel better, and that's why he released that Millennium Falcon thing where the where the tumbler is in the bottom of the Millennium Falcon, which is cool. Um, but uh, yeah, we had to wear we had to wear cloaks. We had to wear black cloaks over, you know, what, what we were wearing and who we were and everything. Everybody, everybody, and it was just wild going from our trailers into car. They had cars lined up. They'd get in the cars, drive to the set, and uh, and then get out because there were cameras. We didn't know where the cameras were. Well, what if we all? joined up as the BB gun staff, and we'll shoot the little drones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what they want us to do. We had, a, they had our own their own helicopter circling to see, because we had, they had a couple of helicopters go by taking pictures. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's better that that happens, you know, than not having interest. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest yeah. interest you can have. So JJ used it for UNICEF and for this really great charity cause that he did. It's just, it's been a blast. And you know, it's it's an undertaking that I can say as a best friend, it's something really, really daunting. I mean, he's done this with you know, Mission, and he did it with Star Trek, and um, this is, you know, I think the best of all, all of them, how he's going to be reviving the franchise and staying true to it. You know, it's not, he's not, this is my version. I mean, Kevin Smith came to the set and was crying like a baby. <laughs> I mean, that, that guy is the greatest. I love Kevin, and that that just shows you how true to it and how faithful he's staying. You know. Did you did you hug him a little bit? I wasn't there when Kevin was there. I wasn't there. But JJ said it was like ridiculous. He was like, "Come on, man, stop! It's enough." <laughs> but I have to say that while we were shooting, there were some massive stars that stopped by. I mean, first of all, Pinewood is you know you're driving through Pinewood Studios and it's like there's the 007 stage and they're shooting a new 007 and you know that it's so historic. Did you get starstruck for a little bit? Yeah, I got uh, geography struck. I was like, look where I am! You know, and looking up, hoping there was a drone there, going, yeah! <laughs> no one ever captured it. JJ has a drone, too. He has a drone, so he was like, we were playing with that, which was unbelievable. But they, it was it was really an experience I'll never forget. I'll never forget it, yeah. It was amazing. Luckily, it's captured on film. Yes, film. Um, outside of JJ Abrams, who would you say has had the biggest impact on your career? Um, well, as an influence on my career, sure. Um, Tom Hanks, Albert Brooks, um, who else? Uh, I mean, I've been lucky that people like Tim Crane, you know, hired me for Heroes. That was a huge thing. 
but as far as like influencing me, um, yeah, I mean, it would just be, yeah, guys like that, that can cross over and do comedy and drama, you know, Tom Hanks, especially, and that guy is ridiculous. Henry Winkler. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but Henry is the nicest person you'll ever meet in your life. And he, two days on the set, he knows everybody's name, which is actually weird. <laughs> it's just like a weird trick, you know? Um, but he is the sweetest. I did a movie. I wrote this movie called Group Sex. It's on Netflix with Tom Arnold and Henry. And I cast all these people that I'm huge fans of. And now Henry and I have stayed really close friends. And he's just a guy that I respect. Um, but a guy like Tom Hanks, like, to me, is... Uh, we did a movie together. I mean, we did a movie together. I, I hardly. It's a Coen Brothers movie that I'm in, and he's in it. And he stars in it. But um, we were on the red carpet, and he walked by and grabbed me, and he was like, "This guy's the best guy in the movie." And I'm like, "Tom Hanks? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> so you know, guys like that, I just respect them so much and, and love what they do, and they're so honest. That's what I try to do, you know, as much as I can. I know my limits. I'm not, you know, Anthony Hopkins or anything. I, I just love being as honest as I possibly can and really letting the camera in. And that's what I try to do. Um, what quote, phrase, or song best describes you? Wow. Uh, smells like teen spirit. is off the list, cockroaches are off the list, what is the one food that you would have for the rest of forever if you were the only person left? Chocolate croissants. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, a, I'm a foodie. I'm a food nut. Um, my guilty pleasure right now is watching a show called uh, Mind of a Chef. Oh my gosh. It's the greatest. It's the greatest show. It's back out porn. So good. It is back out porn. It's all back out porn. Um, and, uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain, all that stuff. I just love it. I love it so much. It's great. And you can gain weight watching TV. You can do that without even eating. <laughs> like, wow. I've tried any good Southern Fried food Well, it's like they have a whole episode, they have a whole thing on the Southern Chef. And uh, I think it's a place called Husk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I want to go. But, you know, do, do, do. I, give, I don't have enough time. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'll try. I want him so bad. What do you recommend? There's, a, there's a crab anywhere, but catfish is really great. Yeah, there's a crab place apparently. Remember, he goes yeah. to the crab place, that little place. And then also, uh, was it hot chicken? Princess. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I want to go to Princess. Because he was crying. That's how you know it's good food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. white boy hot. It's, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. White boy hot, yes. Yeah. That's, that's what it's called in there? The yeah. white boy hot? Well, I'm ordered there, but I call and they can tell it's white over the phone. And they said, Are you sure you want the hot? And I was like, So they double check. Well, that's what he, he goes in and, and he goes, I want the, the extra hot. Yes. Like, no, no, no. Sounds like it's going to be it's crazy. If you're not going to sign it, it's not worth dealing with. Yeah. But man's versus, man versus food is, yeah, I can't lying. stand it. Like Adam, I, those guys, I can't stand. Oh, the other, yeah, by the way, Twitter is the greatest thing in the world. I'm sorry. For a guy like me, the best thing ever. Like Anthony Zimmer, right? I follow this guy who's on, um, he's got Bizarre Foods. Yeah. yeah. So I follow Anthony, uh, uh, um, uh, Andrew Zimmerman, and I'm like, I really would love, I follow him, he's following me. I'm like, 
what? He's like, dude, I really want to go on an adventure with you. He's like, okay, do you want to go to? I'm like, what? And the newest one is uh, these guys, um, Impractical Jokers. I don't know if you've seen that show. Yeah. Those guys are the best. Those guys are the best. And I follow them, and now all of a sudden they're following me, and they're like, dude, no way. Yes, <laughs> come out. When you're in New York, we'll throw you into a sketch. The weirdest one, I will tell you, is um, the, uh, the Blade Runner. I, well, he was in the Olympics, and I was like, hey, Oscar Pistorius, you're my hero. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're the greatest guy ever. Can you take a picture? Can you say talk about it? Because I get celebrities to say talk about it. I go, can you, oh, so I followed him. He followed me back. I'm a huge fan of heroes. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this guy's the great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm following him, and um, sure enough, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then you never know about people. So, but... Uh, yeah. You got something you want to tell us then? No. <laughs> no. That was crazy. He reached out to me right before the trial. He's like, could you send me a supportive tweet out? I was like, unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's say we get JJ and the Impractical Jokers to work together. They want to do a spoof on Heroes. <laughs> you get to be the cop. But you gotta- we originated in Practical Jokers. JJ and I, when we were young, we used to do prank phone calls before Crank Anchors, before Jerky Boys, before any of those guys. But what if JJ says you have to wear a drag? Drag for I think we all saw in the presentation. I'm not afraid that we're assless chaps. And that was, by the way, that was Jay. Imagine JJ wrote Felicity, FYI. So he was at home going, Sean wears assless chaps. He was the guy who came up with that idea. So, uh, that, you know, I, I should have questioned our friendship back then. <laughs> uh, but I did it. You know, whatever. He says jump, I say how high. So. What's it like playing with Hugh Laurie? Uh, incredible. Hugh is one of the funniest guys and also just such a sweet guy. Um, he is a really brilliant musician. We play, we've been playing together for a long time, right? The last year and a half, two years, he's got his own band and he's out there playing with this amazing band. If you haven't seen it, we did a PBS special. Oh, we did a show here? Oh, of yeah, course. He was really good. He yeah. Yeah. He has an album called uh, Let Him Talk and another album I think just came out. Yeah. But he brings a whole other, like everybody brings songs, right? So James Denton is like, let's do uh, Garth Brooks soon. I'm like, I like Garth, you know, whatever. And then he brings another country song. And I'm like, okay. And we do our <laughs> version of it. And Jesse Spencer plays fiddle. So we'll do, oh, let's do Devil in Death, Georgia. That'll work, you know. And Hugh, though, is so brilliant. And um, he brings these sort of British rock kind of commitments kind of feel to it. Or Dr. John, like he's a huge uh, New Orleans jazz blues fan. But again, just such a sweet guy. You know, none of us, I mean, $5 million, that's a lot of money. And none of us have seen a penny of it. It goes out. And sometimes we'll play a gig and we'll just say, send 10% to FOC. We don't even touch the money. I don't want to touch it. Just send it. Let me make sure I see that it's been donated. And it's the best feeling in the world. And um, his sister sits on the board of Save the Children. So that's his charity that he supports, among others. Um, but again, just such a talented guy. And then on stage, we play, so you guys have Lomans? Do you have the store Lomans out here? It's like uh, Marshalls or any of these stores, you know, it's like a discount club here. And they, the grand opening of a, of a Marshalls, imagine, okay? And, uh, and Hugh is a very sort of, you know, proper guy, British guy, whatever. And he doesn't want to do low-class stuff. Like, we've been asked to play, um, like, Ellen wanted us on to play. No, no, that's a daytime talk show. We, we're a proper rock band. Proper rock band plays at night. And the sun goes down. Like, All right, you know, uh, Captain Hook. Sure, whatever you want. You know? And uh, so we had to say no to Ellen. Had to say no to these TV. 
daytime TV shows. I'm like, it's exposure for the man. No, no, no. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, so as we asked, they, they're going to pay us $350,000 to play the opening of a store. How can I say no to that? That's so much money for charity in a time when people are donating money to charity, right? So I said, yes. And Hugh, Hugh goes, <laughs> it's town in Orange County, outside of LA, and Hugh shows up, and, uh, and he's like, wait, what is this? And I'm like, yeah, they're opening a store, you know? And he's, all these housewives were there, and all these people there, and it ended up being the biggest day they've ever had. They you know, did like $2 million in sales, and huge. But he grabs the mic, so he goes from, uh, he's, I wish I would have known, this is a, and he grabs the mic and he's like, sweat is a two uh fifty percent. And he does this introduction for the band in a humor voice, and it's so proper British and it's so awesome. Like he he just throws himself in, like I do too, you know. Make the best of it, make the most of it. And he's been amazing. He's been one of the major reasons we raised as much money as we have, because he's such a big star and all over the world. We've got requests to play everywhere. Um and uh it's because, you know, it's a lot of times it's because of him and, and Terry Hatcher. These big, big, big names. It's great. Really cool. It's been tough sometimes that people want to play with us and are going to get a series. That's what I can say about it. It sounds terrible. It's like, yeah, but dude, he stars the Goldbergs. Come on. Uh, but anyway. It's been it's been a great journey. He's such a good friend. It's awesome. So now, when somebody on YouTube is going to ask, can they buy your records on vinyl? Oh, we're not on vinyl. We have a, a um, one uh, DVD called Hog and All the Covers, and that's um, you can buy that. Okay. And donate the money goes to charity, and then also the songs on that on the house soundtrack. Those are the songs I would really recommend. Dave Roll was there. He didn't produce us, but the guys um, for the Food Fighters produced us, and it's and we did these. But we also oh that actually I'm sorry. That was for um, David Lynch has a charity, and we did it for the David Lynch Children's Charity, and we did a song that we actually end our show with. Um, and but there's two songs also on the house soundtrack that are awesome. We do a version of "You Can't Always Get What You Want" with Hugh singing, and then we also do "Mini the Moocher," which is like you know Cat Calloway song. And David Foster produced those two songs for us. You know, and we shot and we. Recorded them at Capitol Records in the room of the Beatles recording. I'm sitting there. This is a crazy story. I'm sitting there. They're like, "All right, we're gonna start with the drummer." And I'm like, "What? Well, what's I'm so nervous. It's fucking David Foster, and you're at Capitol Records. He's like, "All right, so that's where Ringo was. So you just go in there and put me in this room with my drum kit, and I, they they got a drum tech for me. So all I had to do was show up. You know, totally felt like a rock star session guy. And I show up, and they're like, "Oh, so here's a click track." And if you, for those of you who don't know, drummers, you know, they have in your ear this click track, and they set it to exactly what they want. And if you've never played to it before, it's really hard, because you're just, you know, I'm just going by what I know, but no, you got to listen to it. And it might be good if it's just, you know, counting down four, but then <laughs> stick to it, and you're all over the place. So I tried, and, and it's, dude, it's, you can't always give It's like this, this is it, this is it, you know? And then uh, it, we did a little variation of it, but still easy, right? Couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. I was too nervous. I couldn't get it. So finally, David was like, uh, "Hit the snare." I was like, "Say, so, yeah, I kick the drum." Okay, go to lunch. I was like, "What?" I come back. <laughs> <laughs> the sound engineer is taking it. 
pretty good job, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then I went in and I was like, let me just do it. Yeah, you know, but awesome. I was so nervous. That was actually one of the DVD extras of House where they actually brought in and uh, they they talked to Hugh about it. And it was a oh really? It was yeah. They talked to Hugh about it after the fact, and he was, he was as nervous as you are. Yeah, like he actually said, like I cannot believe I'm in the same room with David Foster. Like, yeah. Oh my god, this is just it was crazy. crazy. We have some pictures. I took some really cool pictures with the camera down here, and the board is here, and, and I'm leaning over here, and Hugh and David Foster. I mean, just amazing. Those moments. That's what I'm saying. Like the charity stuff. It's so rewarding, and it's been it's been incredible to be able to. We also have done some Make a Wish stuff that's like that no one really knows about. Small stuff, but. It's makes made the biggest impact, you know. Like there was a girl who had cancer, and she, they, they Make a Wish doesn't do international wishes; they don't grant international wishes. So if this girl wanted to go to Paris. That was her lifelong dream to go to Paris, and so she was at Shakey's, uh, you know, at the pizza place, so pizza parlor. And she's sitting there, and they're celebrating a year in remission, but she was having some trouble. And her friends were there, and they had all these balloons. And suddenly, we walked out. All of us, and there's no one else there, but like eight people. Her mom, her dad, and her boyfriend, and we walk out. She's like, "What the fuck?" Like that was her reaction. Hugh Laurie is standing there, you know, and, and she's like, "What's going on?" He said, "Well, we heard that you want to go to Paris," and she's like, "What?" And I said, "You're going to Paris, and you're going with your boyfriend, and here's five grand, and you're going to spend money." And she was like, "What?" And then we had a limo that picked her up the night after that. We had a show. Her, all of her family came to the show, and so it was like. Didn't call, you know, we raised all this money and give it. She was so moved. She was shaking. She had the best time. That's one person. And we can only do that if you are writing the check and doing it, you know. Because um, we get a lot of money to these charities and you hope that they're using the money in the right, in the right way. But, um, yeah, it's just amazing, stuff like that. So I do cool. a lot with kids with uh, cancer. Oh, you do? Yeah, and a Christmas party for the kids in the shelters, too. Oh, my God. So, you know. It's the best. It's the most rewarding job ever. Yeah. It's well, it's not job pay, but it's how I spend my life. Yeah, I mean, there's that, and then there's, you know, acting on a movie where, you know, as soon as an actor gets there, they're like, where's my thing? How come I don't have a thing? Where's my room? What's my thing? I'm like, man, you want an actor to complain, give him a job. (laughs) 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 That's how you get an actor to complain. Um, But that's, you know, just all you see of people that are just happy, happy, happy. And also, I've gone through, you know, we've gone through some terrible, terrible stuff, you know, with my son, and he's doing great, and luckily, thank God, you know. And uh, we were in the hospital once. This was crazy. And there's a we were there for so long. He had brain surgery in Chicago. And there was a young kid that I kept seeing at the cafeteria downstairs, and um, like a college age kid. And finally, I went up to him. I'm like, "Hey, doing, man?" It's just the two of us at three in the morning. You know? And um, and he's he's like, "Yeah, that's, we're we're in the room next to you." And I'm like, "The room next to us is where they store all the machines." And he's like, "No, we're in the middle of that room." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's a little baby. And all these machines, that was a lung, that part of it. And you're like, you know, you just, you, it puts everything in perspective, you know. And their baby made it, and their baby was fine, which was great. But it was, it's one of those things where every time you do a charity thing, or you come across it, you be like, oh, okay. You know, you got to be thankful. I mean, all this is really nice, and it's great to sit here, and great to be in my position and everything, but it doesn't mean anything. It's all, you know, family and, and all that stuff. That's the most important stuff. And that's why I see everybody having a great time here. It's just awesome. It's so great. Honestly, I really mean that. It's like, Having had days where you're like, please let my son survive, you know, or, or get through this. 
So, uh, anyway, sorry to bring the room down. <laughs> Did your son at least get to go see you on Star Wars? Oh, dude, Jake's, Jake's a normal pain-in-the-ass 18-year-old now. I mean, he's just, he's totally, and I say, use the word normal, he could have a seizure at any time, but he's seizure-free, thank God, I shouldn't say that while I'm not in L.A., but he's, uh, He's doing great thanks to his medication, thanks to marijuana. Huh? Uh, <laughs> yes, all the time. Let me tell you something. That oil goes, yeah, CBD. Let me tell you, I mean, he doesn't smoke it, but it's the oil. Oh, it's been incredible for him. But he's doing he's doing really great. And yeah, the best thing ever that happened was Milo was supposed to have a seizure on Heroes. Okay, Milo Betsy. So we're shooting, and Jake happens to be visiting that day. So Jake's on the set and he's hanging out. He he now works with me. I direct a bunch, and he's he's with me. He'll stand in for me when I'm acting. Jake wants to be in the business, and he's doing great. Um, anyway, Milo's and Milo's so sweet, and he's like, "Wait, you know what? Um, just cover thing." Goes over to Jake. Goes, "Hey, Jake. So what should I do? Should I? Is it like should I shake like this? Should I, should I, and Jake was like, "What the fuck am I supposed to know? I'm the one having." <laughs> That's my son. That was so true. It's like he's the last person that would actually know what it looks like. Oh man. Yeah. Um, what would be your best advice for living your nerdiest life, your best life, following your bliss? Like advice that you would pass on that you've gotten from someone? Um, well, from my dad. My dad is uh, has always been like an inspiration for me, and it's it sounds like a Nike slogan, but it just go. Like, that is what I've always learned from my dad. If someone says, hey, there's this really cool thing, and it's a pain in the ass to get there, and it's three hours away, go. If you're sitting in the airport and somebody starts talking to you, and you're like, don't look at them like they're a freak. Talk to them. You never know who you're going to meet. Don't be afraid. There's, you know, um, I mean, it's kind of, it's, you're asking specifically about nerdy, but I love just being open to people. I met a guy on Twitter, and we started a business and started an app together, and it's like, just don't be afraid. Like, people are great. Like, the world, we sit at home and watch TV and always see is the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst. And sure enough, it's, that's happening right here in a country that's this big. And everybody, everybody in this country and everybody in this country, they all love each other. The people at the top want to send troops and kill each other. It's like, it's just go to, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. You never know who you're going to meet. Because um, I've had the best experiences meeting people where I least expect it on a plane, in an elevator, naked. You were there. That was, that was me last night. I, you know. <laughs> Is that going to be underneath the bear tag tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happens to GMX? It's out on YouTube. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody got their stuff up here recording. Good to go. Everybody do your final checks, whatever. Testing, testing. All right. So my wife knows that I'm, in fact, doing <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, hi and welcome to our press junket. Uh, you are here for one hour. Um, this is at your leisure, obviously. We have no one scheduled after. Okay. Uh, so if at one hour you are done and you're just, you want to go eat, you want to go do something, that's your, your decision, whatever you want to do. But we don't have anybody scheduled, so if we go over, 
whatever you want to do. So. Okay, cool. I think I have a Q&A too. But, well, okay, that's fine. All right, so you guys, uh, I did offer him the first question, so I'll let him do that. One second, I've got to do this sleep. And then you guys are good. I'm sorry. You ready, Grant? Yes. So, we're all waiting for your next big move. You took down the big-ass spider. Are you ready to fight a big-ass cockroach? I am ready to fight a big-ass cockroach, yes. For those of you who know what he's talking about, I did a movie called Big-Ass Spider, which was an absolute blast. I produced it and starred in it with um, Lombardo Boyard, who is a genius. Have you guys seen the movie? Any of you guys see it? It's a ton Netflix now, and it's it, it. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was uh, when I first got the script. Mike Mendez, who's a really great filmmaker in Epic Pictures, um, Ray Wise is in the movie, and Claire Kramer, and uh, the special effects are amazing. Um, it really turned into something that I am so proud of, and uh, we're hoping to do a sequel. The problem is. The first movie, um, there was a, a Pakistani company that did the special effects, and they did it for hardly any money because they needed their foothold into Hollywood. They got their foothold, now they're charging what they should be charging. So <laughs> a sequel is just so expensive, 700 effect shots. And uh, um, But anyway, if you haven't seen it, check out Big Ass Spider. It's really worth it. It's 10 times better than Sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> big words. Yes, big words. I am a me for saying that. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, I run a magazine about charity stuff. Uh, can you tell me about your charity involvement? Sure. Um, it's consumed me. It's my most important thing that I do in my life, and uh, I wish I could only do that. I really do. It's so rewarding. Uh, it started out. My my oldest son has epilepsy, <clears throat> so the one thing that I learned, my wife and I learned, is that there's a huge stigma attached to, to the world of epilepsy. When you see someone with a seizure, it's scary. So there's a stigma, no one wants to talk about it, and no one, you know, um, you don't know that people around you have the potential to have a seizure, and a lot of people don't know what to do. They say they know what to do. Um, even like EMTs, or teachers, or doctors, I've talked, I speak, and people are like, I know what to do, and they're wrong. Because there's just, over the years, there's been so, so many you know, misconceptions and, and uh, old wives' tales. Never stick anything in anyone's mouth when they have a seizure, by the way. That is absolutely incorrect. Um, anyway, so the only thing that I could do, uh, outside of just holding my son and watching him have a seizure, was um, get him the care that he needed, and then as a, you know, whatever, recognizable face, I was like, let's try and end this stigma. Let's just talk about it. So I started talkaboutit.org, and it's been really successful. It's a place where people can go who have something to do with epilepsy or don't, and you just can... You know, there's celebrities on there that, that kind of trick you to the site, and then like Jennifer Garner asks the question, "Can you carry a baby full term and have epilepsy?" Of course, the answer is yes, and so she freezes, and then we go to an expert, we go to a doctor for the answers. So celebrities ask the questions, and then we have a subway theme. Um, so each stop is a different, you know, anti-bullying and this and that, and whatever. And all my friends, um, and even. People I don't even consider my friends, uh, <laughs> celebrities. I just did not take notes, so it's a really great site. Everybody on there is just so generous to give their time, and uh, I'm really proud of it. And I got a band called Band from TV, which is me and James Denton, Scott Grimes, Jesse Spencer, Adrian Pazdar, Hugh Laurie, um, Jorge Garcia, um, tons of people, and we play for um, to raise money for all of our various charities. So if you don't know about that, you can go to uh, bandfromtv.org. Not B-A-N-N-E-D. That's not yet. Yeah.
we're still hanging in there. Uh, uh, Band from TV.org. You see all the charities that we support, and then we always have guests. I mean, from you know, from Wayne Brady and Joey, uh, you know, um, Fatone to uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jennifer Garner and whoever else. People come up all the time and join us, um, and we are really proud of it. So that's something that we we've raised in uh, eight years. We've raised over five million dollars for charities. So that's really I'm really proud. I wish we could be here. I mean, it would be so much fun to have, have a party, but we're just, we're the greatest band on the planet. So, yeah. I'll definitely Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming to GMX. We really Please. appreciate it, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Um, what first led you to acting? Uh, reacting? No. I don't know what that means. That's, that's, that's a really highfalutin question. Um, I was just always um, interested in getting a reaction, really, you know, like that's where it really starts from uh, making someone laugh, so making someone cry, making, you know, something, just some sort of reaction. It started off as making someone laugh, and, you know, um, growing up in L.A., my oldest friend in the world is J.J. Abrams, and we met when we were four. So, from there, he's making movies, and I'm starring in all of them, and I'm nine years old, and, you know, getting stabbed in the heart, and, uh, and he's holding the camera here and stabbing me with his other hand. Um, and, uh, but that's really where, where it started, was I always just loved entertaining and loved doing that. Um, and then it wasn't a traditional route, it wasn't like, I mean, I did it through, through elementary school, I, you know, I was in theater, and, um, but then having friends around me that were doing it, I would, you know, try writing and, and helping, like Matt Reeves is one of my oldest friends too, so Matt, I produced his student film at USC, his, his you know, thesis film with Brian Burke, and, and Berkey now runs you know, Bad Robot with JJ. It's a very incestuous group we have going on. <laughs> um, but it, it's amazing how many people that, um, now looking back, that are really close friends, um, are, are you know doing things, and luckily, you know, I'm still friends with all of them, and they've been generous enough. As an actor, I'm kind of the only actor in that group, and as an actor, you really are kind of at the mercy, I mean, now I'm producing and trying to get stuff going on my own, but, it's, you're really at the mercy of other people hiring you, you know. Um, it's like the other thing I do, which is play the drums. You can't really just do that, you know. It's not like, you know, everybody, all people do is complain when you play the drums by yourself, you know. You need people to play with you. I need people to play with me as an actor, and I've been lucky enough that my friends want to work with me and keep, you know, hiring me, and uh, so I've been really lucky, and, and I've been part of some of the coolest projects, I think, you know, that have been made, so I've been really lucky. Yeah. All right. Well, we loved your work on Heroes, of course. Thank um, you. you. know, and all these superhero movies are coming out. So, if you had your pick of any superhero franchise character you could play in a movie, who would you pick? Uh, wow. In a movie franchise? Sure. Yeah. Um. Well, I'd love to do the movie version of Heroes. That would be so incredible. I love my role. I have to say, I get asked this all the time. I know it sounds, you know, like the easy answer, but I was, you know, I don't think I would have chosen any other role than the one I had. Just because it was internal, it was the brain, it was a personal thing. You know, flying is cool, and then, okay. <laughs> you know? um, and then, you know, stopping time and going back in time was like, okay, that solves every problem on the show. Why don't we just go back in time and everything's fine? But this was like, it was a really internal struggle, and then finding, I just, I loved the role. I thought it was, you know, the role of a lifetime. Um, until it was the role that I just had. Um, but I'm really... Uh, I, I, I have to say, that would probably be it, you know. Um, and it's opened up 
such a world for me. Um, this genre is my favorite. It's always been my favorite. And so, you know, to, to step into it and then be a recognizable face in that world where someone will call and say, hey, do you want to star in a Spider movie? Or, you know, um, any of the other things that I've done, you know, it just, it helps kind of um, give me street cred in that world and in the world that, you know, I would come to this convention in a second. I mean, this is, this is what I love. And uh, I'm walking around buying t-shirts here. Like, you know, it's fun and everybody's great and everybody has a passion for it. So anyway, I'm really lucky to be, to, to, to be able to have that character to lean on and then use it to, to, to you know, hopefully I haven't, you know, like people will go, hey, you just met Parkman. And hopefully, you know, they'll accept me in other characters, other roles. All right. I got another one. So, you're, so you're a drummer, co-host of my show, It's a Man's World. He's a drummer too. Cool. We always ask him. You know, who, who is the best drummer of all time in rock and roll? <sighs> Who'd you uh, listen oh, to? I say John Bonham. Yeah, I mean, John Bonham, um, <laughs> Neil Peart, you know, uh, any of these guys. You, 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 Dave Grohl is one of my favorite. Dave Grohl. Uh, for me, Stan Lynch, because he's the drummer for Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, and he has such a meter. And I've, I said this before, I, I was on the, in this magazine, uh, Musicians Magazine, for, because of charity work. And they're like, who's your favorite drummer? He's and I was like, Stan Lynch, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, hello, hi, Stan Lynch. <laughs> no one's ever mentioned my name before. Oh, I love you. <laughs> you know? And then, of course, I, last week, Tom Petty was playing uh, in L.A. And I was like, hey, Stan Lynch, remember that favor I did for you? <laughs> I'd love to go to the show. And he's like, dude, I haven't toured in years. So there's, you know, he's, but he is amazing. Like, that's what I listened to growing up was like Warren Zevon and, and, uh, and, you know, Tom Petty and T-Bone Burnett. I mean, I went to go see T-Bone, you know, now doing music for movies and stuff. And, uh. <laughs> but yeah, that was. But but I also listen to like my kids now. I have two drum sets sitting at home like this. Nice. You can't teach someone how to play the drums unless they're left-handed, because it's like a mirror right. image, right? So my kids sit there, and I'll show them a little. But anyway, they're listening to impossible drum beats that are synthesized and yeah. synced and you know auto-tuned, you know whatever auto-tuned version of drumming. It's it's not the same thing. Um, but whatever, whatever inspires you. I mean. I listened to the police growing up. Holy crap, man. You know, Stuart Coleman, come on. I mean, these guys were amazing. And I'd never catch up to them. I'd never be able to do it. And I'm self-taught. Like, somebody says, hey, do Paradiddle. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I can play that song that you want me to play, you know. And luckily, we play covers in the band. So uh, it's easy for me. Um, how old were you when you first started playing drums? And what was the first song you ever learned? Good question. Um, on the song part, I was 13 when I started playing the drums, 12, 13. Um, and um, I, it, was a, it was a Rush song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I mean, like, it's, just, it's impossible. <laughs> or, or it was like Van Halen, you know. It's like I hear, there's a kid online right now on YouTube, the first time I've ever seen somebody play, you know, where it's like, you know, the beginning of that song. It's like, that's impossible. It's an engine is what we're listening to. It's not even drums. This kid's doing it on the drums with double bass and the whole thing. So um, I forgot. Uh, yeah, that or Enter Sandman, one of those two. Just like, gotta play that. I have to play it. Must play it, you know. But it's fun. It's really fun. And that, that like, playing with a band is, and being the drummer, like, you make a mistake, everybody, you know, everybody's like, 
they look at you. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you can't make a mistake. Like, if you make a mistake, please do not look at me. Right, right. Keep, Keep going. going. Because then if, even if the audience didn't hear, now they know. Exactly. Thank you, Terry Hatcher. We were playing, we were playing this gig, like a no huge way. gig. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we're, we started off playing, and she was like, I'm sorry, wait, hold it, let's stop, stop. She looks back and she's like, somebody is off on the drum. Oh, no. I'm like, come on, Terry! <laughs> the sweetest. I'm like, what are you doing? And that's just part of, like, by the way, that's when we act. It's like, yeah, cut, 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 let's go back. You can't do that on stage, you know? Um, it makes for a great part of our show because it's very rat packy and I went after her and she went after me. It was just fun, you know? But still, it's like playing the drums is just... It's so, it gives me that rush that I don't get. Joe was asking me earlier about like uh, if I um, uh, if I do theater, and I haven't done theater because I have a family, three boys, and it's just it doesn't pay to uh, for me to do it. I wish that I could. I wish I could take time off and do a play. I've been offered um, stuff that I, that could really be amazing parts for me to challenge challenge me. Um, but that's where I get that feeling of playing in front of a live audience, and also the teamwork. Of, like we're all in this together. You know, it's like, if you drop the ball. We all have to either keep going or pick up, you know, whatever. So, or unplug Adrian, which is another thing we do. All right, well, I got a curveball for you then. I, I watched yeah. a uh, sitcom you're on ABC. I don't, don't remember the name of it, but I remember the specific episode where you were married to uh, a lady and then you got on an airplane and sat beside Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, yes. Who was on your celebrity list of people you could sleep with if, if, you know, if you ran into them. Yeah. So that led me into, has anyone ever come up to you and said you were on their celebrity oh, list? Yes. Yeah. And none of those guys have been good looking, you know. <laughs> If you look up Greg Rundberg, like you Google me, the first search is Greg Rundberg there. Oh. I mean, it's the first search. Oh, no. So I've got to explain wow. that to my 10-year-old. He's like, what is this, Dad? And then when we watch baseball, I have to explain to him why you call a doctor if your erection lasts more than four hours. <laughs> why, why, when I'm watching baseball, do I have to answer that question? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a really funny question. And also... Jen, I didn't know love. Okay, so so we met, um, and I've been on her show now. You know, we did, um, I forgot the name of the, name of the show. Uh, anyway, she had the show on Lifetime, and I played this guy, you know, for, for a long time on the show. She is amazing. We've become really good friends. Um, we have a couple projects we're trying to get going together, but on that show, suddenly we got thrown into, you know, on the plane. If you didn't see it, it was called Love Bites, and it was like, it was like a comedy version of The Twilight Zone because every episode was something new. It was all about love and relationships and whatever. And the only constant, oh, no pun intended, but Constance Zimmer and I were married. And so he went to us and it was like this married couple. And this, they were brilliant. Cindy Chupac ran the show. She's mm -hmm. so, such a great writer. And we got to do really, a lot of really fun stuff. But mine was, and everybody's got that list. Everybody's got this list that apparently like, you know, your wife's like, okay. You can do it. That's, if you ever see that person, and so we pull up at the airport, and I see Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know, unloading her bags. I look at my wife, and she's like, "Oh, ghost stallion. Oh, yeah, that's, gonna <laughs> that's really gonna happen." 
and then you get to me in first class, and, and somebody comes over and goes, would you mind switching? Could you No, I'm, I'm not in first class. And she goes, my baby's crying, and this is my nanny, could you? And I end up sitting right next to oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I'm like, what? And she asks me to join the Mile High Club with her in the bathroom. And, uh, <laughs> you'll have to see the episode to find out what happened. But all of a sudden, I'm in, the, in this tight bathroom with, with Love. It was just awesome. Awesome! I love my job. <laughs> That's pretty great. Pretty great. Yes. Um, so I was playing the game La Noir. Yes. And I um, I love this game. I love the kind of pioneering you know technology with this facial recognition that they're doing. It's like nothing I've ever seen before when I played it. Yeah. So I'm like, holy crap! There's the cop from Heroes, and there's like seven dudes from Mad Men. Yeah. And so I'm wondering a couple things like. It's like I'll have the same agent or something, or <laughs> my mom made the game. <laughs> but mainly, like it's um, a great question, by the way. But and also maybe like, um, can you talk about that technology, like the filming of that? If there was anything weird yeah. that was going on with the film? Yeah, it was. It was incredible. First of all, there's a buddy of mine named Tom Ham. He runs uh, creative for uh, Machinima now. Tom, he's been a judge at E3. He was a um, just like this. I mean, this is how I met Tom. We were doing an Alias DVD release, and I looked out, and there's this huge Korean dude just standing there. He's like, I got a question, and he's the greatest guy. Okay, like most actors I know, they're like, yeah, yeah, and they walk away, and they never get okay. Me, I'm like, you know, you and I can be friends for the rest of our life, and that's what happened. Tom came up, we started talking, and then he moved out from Virginia. Anyway, he's so tied into the, uh, to the gaming world, and I love games. Played them. Um, I love technology. I created an app. I'm like all into that stuff. And <clears throat> so he tells a bunch of people that I would love to be in games. And luckily, they're this kind of a crossover audience, right? That so these game guys are like, "What? Matt Parkman? Holy shit! Yeah. yeah!" So they call me up, and I've been in Halo. I've been in Condemned. I've been. I've done all these games that I love. And even if I'm an ND voice, it doesn't even matter. If yeah. I'm just screaming and I'm yelling, I'm in the game. I can play the game and go, ah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and most people are like, yeah, whatever. Right, sure. Yeah. Um, JJ and I are playing, and he's like, dude, it doesn't even anywhere sound like you. Yelling to his death, you know, whatever. This game was, um, first of all, the, the Mad Men, the reason why Mad Men is because you think about it, it's a period show. Yep. Those faces have to be period. It's L.A. Noir. So they went to that cast, and I think it was the same casting director, and got all these great people. So I was supposed to do, like a lot of things, I was supposed to do um, uh, one role that was like, I forgot which role, and I couldn't do it because of schedule, um, which just screwed me up on a couple things. Um, one was Star Trek. J.J. had this unbelievable role for me in Star Trek. I couldn't do it. I ended up being the you know, voiceover of the, the Spock's stepdad. So, But it's... Um, that kind of thing where I was like so bummed I couldn't do it because I heard about the technology too at that time. It was unbelievable, so revolutionary and new. Yeah, yeah. There, there was um, so so anyway. I get the call. He, they want me to come down and do this thing. So what is it? It's um, I think forty eight cameras in one huge room, and all the cameras are just like in a globe, just all around you. And the camera that you're talking to is right in front of you. You can't move. So I couldn't use my hands. I'm Jewish, so that's impossible. <laughs> so I was like, how's anybody going to hear me? <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I, I'm, I can't use my hands, and I can't, this is just about as far as I can go, you know? 
And uh, so they're really, you know, using from here up. But it wasn't like they put dots on my face. It wasn't like any of that stuff, you know. We just did Star Wars, and one of the actors every day would start with the, you know, stuff. And I was lucky, this technology, it was a massive white room, like we had an alias, it was like this clean room. And then they had another room filled with computers. So, and then because it was computer, you know, capture, motion capture, it wasn't even motion capture, it was, I don't even know what you call it. It's like video motion capture, crazy technology, right? You can't have any flyaways. So you can't, I can't, you can't have the Pee Wee Herman thing I got going. Right? You can't do it. So you get there, they have to put basically a Devo, you have to turn your head into a Devo helmet and like spray it and spray it and then bake it. I mean, not one flyaway because then it would mocha, it'll, uh, what's it called? Uh, I forgot my name, like a shirt, uh, mosaics, not mosaics, but anyway. Pixelates. Yeah, pixelates, okay. you can. So I went through this process the first day hair and makeup through about two hours. And it's me. It's not like I'm going through creature, you know, makeup. Two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, and the uh, the room with the computers overheats. Mm. Um, so they're like, dude, we're so sorry. I'm like, what are you talking about? So then I went out and I did a movie. I came back and I had to go through the whole process again. They were still doing it. And I did it. And it was, uh, it was awesome. Because you're staring at a camera. There's a picture of the Mona Lisa. Right, so her eyes were right in, in the middle of the camera lens, on, the, on either side of the camera lens. There's something about, obviously, about her face that they wanted you to um, just be as, I don't know, he put, he put that face there. And, and I, and I uh, but I did every line, I had to do them different ways, and the director was in the other room, and he was just calling it out. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done. And, you know, it's sort of this version of me. You know, if you look at it, it's like, it's a little, but it looks really a lot like me. And I like it, I started in this other game, Condemned, where it doesn't look like me at all. It's kind of better looking than me. So I'm like, that's, that's not bad. But this was just so cool that it was so accurate. And also, L.A. in the 30s, it was accurate. And you drive around L.A., I mean, I grew up there, not in the 30s, but I, mean, I grew up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going down Wilshire Boulevard right now. And it's the same streets. It's the same thing. So it was just awesome. Really, really cool. You mentioned Star Wars. How does it feel to be in episode seven? Um, absolutely the thrill of my life. Um, the role of my life. And, and, I, and I don't have a huge role. I was there for six weeks, so it's not tiny. But, I mean, comparatively, it doesn't even matter. That's the thing I kept saying um, was that, I, you know, I said to JJ, I was like, look, I don't care what it is. Like, Lost. He's like, come out to Hawaii. We're going to shoot this thing. I want you to do this thing in Lost. I was like, okay. So I get there, and they're fitting me for a, you know, a, a pilot uniform, and, and I got killed in five minutes. You know, <laughs> But again, who cares? I was like, I'm a pilot. I'm lost. They got killed. It was like so exciting. This, like, obviously, just to another level. And it was so weird because you're there, and all the classic characters are there, and, it's, and uh, it's, I, you know, I obviously can't say anything at all about who I am or what I do or whatever, but what we're shooting, and J.J. yells cut, and he comes over to me, and J.J., after every take, is like, holy shit, it's Star Wars! <laughs> I mean, that's how my, he's a fucking crazy fan, and so am I, and we're like, what are we doing? And so it was that kind of thing, every day, you know, and then dailies and stuff that he'd be looking at, I'm sneaking, uh, you know, looking over his shoulder at lunch or something, and go, oh my God, that's a poster right there. Like, it's so beautiful, so iconic, it's exactly what we want, and I'm, I'm saying we on that side of the table, not on this side of the table, like, I was like, wow, this is not, 
um, you know, yeah, this is not somebody else's Star Wars. This is true to Lucas. This is like not even the. I, I'm not a huge fan of the older movies, just me personally. It is taking us back to exactly what we want, you know. Very little digital, most really practical effects. It's so cool, man. Unbelievable. And then the things that I got to do are ridiculous. <laughs> like, crazy ridiculous. So I just hope, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, nobody saw these scripts either. It's all top secret. You don't see any, I mean, as an actor, you get it, you prepare the night before, you go in, you know your stuff. Nope. Like, it was like, here's your pages. Like, when you got there, here are your pages, sign out for them. And they're in a special paper that can't be photographed. We had, um, I can tell you all this stuff, which is really fun and cool, is constantly uh, paparazzi drones over the set. Yeah. Um, there was is, something like that in the UK where they had a full... That's where I was. Falcon. Yeah, so we're there, and the Millennium Falcon, we've all seen the fucking Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? And the X-Wings are there, which I was like... Oh, you know, so excited to see them. I do have a question about the X-Men. Are they like a Mark II? Because they're different from the original trilogy. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I'll tell you, no, it was just cool that, like, that, that was the thing. It was like, J.J. was bummed that stuff got out, because he's leaking really cool stuff anyway. Um, he is going back and forth with Christopher Nolan, and they're sending from Batman to yeah. And it's cool. But the stuff that people got, I was like... What does it really matter? Like this aerial shot of, I mean, the, the base. So yeah, you did see that. That was That's a base. They've never shot there before. This area that we shot in was really cool. But the, the vehicles and the planes and stuff, it's all stuff that's been established, you know, for 30, 40, 50, whatever the years yeah. ago. So that kind of made everybody feel better. And that's why he released that Millennium Falcon thing with the, where the tumbler is in the bottom of the Millennium Falcon, which yeah. is cool. Um, but uh, yeah, we had, to wear, we had to wear cloaks. We had to wear black cloaks over... You know what, what we were wearing and who we were and everything. Everybody, everybody, and it was just wild going from our trailers into car. They had cars lined up in the cars, drive to the set, and uh, and then get out because there were cameras. We didn't know where the cameras were. Well, what if we all joined up as the BB gun staff and we'll shoot the little drones? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what they wanted to do. We had a, they had our own their own helicopter circling to see because we they had a couple of helicopters go by taking pictures and. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's better that that happens, you know, than not having interest. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest yeah. interest you can have. So JJ used it for UNICEF and for this really great charity cause that he did. It's just, it's been a blast. And, you know, it's, it's an undertaking that I can say as a best friend, it's something really, really daunting. I mean, he's done this with you know, Mission and he did it with Star Trek. And um, this is, you know, I think the best of all, all of them, how he's going to be reviving the franchise and staying true to it. You know, it's not, he's not, this is my version. I mean, Kevin Smith came to the set and was crying like a baby. I mean, that, that guy is the greatest. I love Kevin and that, that just shows you how true to it and how faithful he's staying, you know. Did you, did you hug him a little bit? I wasn't there when Kevin was there. I wasn't there, but JJ said it was like ridiculous. He was like, come on, man, stop. It's enough of But I have to say that while we were shooting, there were some massive stars that stopped by. I mean, first of all, Pinewood is, you know, you're driving through Pinewood Studios and it's like there's the 007 stage and they're shooting a new 007 and, you know, it's so historic. Did you get starstruck for a little bit? Uh, yeah, I got uh, geography struck. I was like, <laughs> look where I am! You know, and looking up, hoping there was a drone there going, yeah! <laughs> no one ever captured it. JJ has a drone, too. He has a drone. So he was like, we were playing with that, which was 
unbelievable. But they, it was, it was really an experience I'll never forget. I'll never forget it. Yeah, it was amazing. Luckily, it's captured on film. Yes, film. Um, outside of J.J. Abrams, who would you say has had the biggest impact on your career? Um. Well, as an influence on my career, sure. Um, Tom Hanks, Albert Brooks. Um, who else? Uh, I mean, I've been lucky that people like Tim Crane, you know, hired me for Heroes. That was a huge thing. Um, but as far as like influencing me, um, yeah, I mean, it would just be, yeah, guys like that that can cross over and do comedy and drama. You know, Tom Hanks especially, and that guy is. Ridiculous, Henry Winkler. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but Henry is the nicest person you'll ever meet in your life, and he two days on the set he knows everybody's name, which is actually weird. <laughs> it's just like a weird trick, you know. Um, but he is the sweetest. I did a movie. I wrote this movie called Group Sex. That's on Netflix with Tom Arnold and Henry, and I cast all these people that I'm huge fans of, and now Henry and I have stayed really close friends. And he's just a guy that I respect. Um, but a guy like Tom Hanks, like, to me, is, um, we did a movie together, I mean, we did a movie together, I'm, I, hardly, it's a Coen Brothers movie that I'm in, and he's in it, he stars in it, but, um, we were on the red carpet, and he walked by, and he grabbed me, and he was like, this guy's the best guy in the movie, and I'm like, Tom Hanks, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, you know, guys like that, I just respect them so much, and, and love what they do, and they're so honest. That's what I try to do, you know, as much as I can. I know my limits. I'm not, you know, Anthony Hopkins or anything. I, I just love being as honest as I possibly can and really letting the camera in. And that's what I try to do. Um, what quote, phrase, or song best describes you? Wow. Uh, smells like Teen Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. That's yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question, too. I have to think about that for a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Any other questions? So, a nuclear bomb has just gone off. Twinkie is off the list. Cockroaches are off the list. What is the one food that you would have for the rest of forever if you were the only person left? Chocolate croissants. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a foodie. I'm a food nut. Um, my guilty pleasure right now is watching a show called uh, Mind of a Chef. Oh my gosh. It's the greatest. It's the greatest show ever. It's fat guy porn. So good. It is fat guy porn. It's totally fat guy porn. And, uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain, all that stuff. I just love it. I love it so much. It's great. And you can gain weight watching TV. Who knew that? Without even eating. Like, wow. Have you tried any good Southern fried food? Well, like they have a whole episode, they have a whole thing on this Southern Chef, and uh, I think it's a place called Husk. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, I want to go. But, you know. Do, do, do. I don't have enough time. So, maybe, yeah. I don't know, I'll try. I want him so bad. What do you recommend? There's, a, there's a crab. Anyway, but catfish is really great. Yeah, there's a crab place, apparently. Remember, he goes yeah. to a crab place, that little place. And then also, uh, was it Hot Chicken? Princess. Yeah, yeah I want to go to Princess. Because he was crying. That's how you know it's good food. Yeah, white boy hot. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. White boy hot, yes. Yeah. That's, that's what it's called in there? You know, yeah. white boy hot? Well, I, I've ordered there, and when I called, they, they call tell us white over the phone, and they said, are you sure you want the hot? And I was like, so they double check with well, you. Well, that's what he, he goes in, and, and he goes, I want the, the extra hot. And yes. they're like, no, I don't want that. You can't have it. No. 
Yes. You got to sign something to start the show. Yeah. It's crazy. If you're not going to sign, it's not worth doing. Yeah, but man's versus man versus food is yeah, I can't loud. stand it. Like Adam, I, those guys, I can't stand. Oh, the other. The, by the way, Twitter is the greatest thing in the world. I'm sorry for a guy like me, the best thing ever. Like Anthony Zimmern, right? I follow this guy who's on. Um, he's got Bizarre Foods. Yeah. So I follow Anthony uh, uh, um, Andrew Zimmern, and I'm like, I really would love. I follow him. He's following me. I'm like. What? I'm like, dude, I really want to go on an adventure with you. He's like, okay, do you want to go to? I'm like, what? And the newest one is uh, these guys, um, Impractical Jokers. I don't know if you've seen that show. Yeah. Oh, those guys are the best. Those guys are the best. And I follow them, and now all of a sudden they're following me, and they're like, dude, no way. Yes, come out. When you're in New York, we'll throw you into a sketch. The weirdest one, I will tell you, is... Um, the uh, the Blade Runner. I well, he was in the Olympics, and I was like, "Hey, Oscar Pistorius, you're my hero. Oh my god, <laughs> you're the greatest guy ever." Can you take a picture? Can you say talk about? Because I get celebrities to say talk about it. I go, "Can you?" Oh, so I followed him. He followed me back. I'm a huge fan of heroes. Oh my god, blah blah blah. I'm like, this guy's the great. <laughs> and I'm following him, and um, sure enough, you know, <laughs> yeah, then you never know about people. So, but. Uh, yeah. You got something you want to tell us then? No. <laughs> no. That was crazy. He reached out to me right before the trial. And he's like, could you send me a supportive tweet out? I was like, unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's say we get JJ and the Impractical Jokers to work together. They want to do a spoof on Heroes. You get to be the cop, but you got to... We originated Impractical Jokers. JJ and I, when we were young, we used to do prank phone calls before Crank Yankers, before Jerky Boys, before any of those guys. But what if JJ says you have to wear drag? Drag for I think we all saw in the presentation. I'm not afraid to wear assless chaps. And that was, by the way, that was Jay. Imagine JJ wrote Felicity, FYI. So he was at home going, Sean wears assless chaps. He was the guy who came up with that idea. So, uh, that, you know, I, I should have questioned our friendship back then. <laughs> uh, but I did it. You know, whatever. He says jump, I say how high. So. What's it like playing with Hugh Laurie? Uh, incredible. Hugh is one of the funniest guys and also just such a sweet guy. Um, he is a really brilliant musician. We play, we've been playing together for a long time, right? The last year and a half, two years, he's got his own band and he's out there playing with this amazing band. If you haven't seen him, he did a PBS special. Oh, he did it? Show here? Oh, of course. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. He has an album called uh, Let Him Talk and another album I think just came out. Yeah. But... He brings a whole other, like everybody brings songs, right? So James Denton is like, let's do uh, Garth Burke's tune. I'm like, I like Garth, you know, whatever. And then he brings another country song. And I'm like, okay. And we do our <laughs> version of it. And Jesse Spencer plays fiddle, so we'll do, oh, let's do Devil Went Down to Georgia. That'll work, you know. And Hugh, though, is so brilliant. And um, he brings these sort of British rock kind of commitments kind of feel to it. Or Dr. John, like he's a huge uh, New Orleans jazz blues fan. But again, just such a sweet guy. You know, none of us, I mean, $5 million, that's a lot of money. And none of us have seen a penny of it that goes out. And sometimes we'll play a gig and we'll just say, send 10% to FLFC. We don't even touch the money. I don't want to touch it. Just send it. Let me make sure I see that it's been donated. And it's the best feeling in the world. And um, his sister sits on the board of Save the Children, so that's his charity that he supports, among others. Um, but again, just such a talented guy. And then on stage, we play, so you guys have Lomans? Do you have the store Lomans out here? It's like uh, Marshalls or 
any of these stores. You know, it's like a discount club here. And they, the grand opening of a, of a Marshalls, imagine, okay? And, uh, and he was a very sort of, you know, proper guy, British guy, whatever. And he doesn't want to do low-class stuff. Like, we've been asked to play, um, <laughs> like, Ellen wanted a song to play. You know, now that's a daytime talk show. We're, we're a proper rock band. Proper rock band plays at night. And the sun goes down. I'm like, all right, you know, uh, Captain Hook, sure, whatever you want. And, and uh, so we had to say no to Ellen, had to say no to these TV, daytime TV shows. I'm like, it's exposure for the band. No, no, no. Anyway, he, uh, so this, we asked, they, they're going to pay us $350,000 to play the opening of a store. How can I say no to that? That's so much money for charity in a time when people aren't donating money to charity, right? So I said, yes. And Hugh, Hugh goes, <laughs> it's down in Orange County, outside of L.A., and Hugh shows up, and, uh, and, and he's like, wait, what is this? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they're opening this store, Hugh, and he's, all these housewives were there, and all these people there, and it ended up being the biggest day they've ever had. They did like $2 million in sales, and huge, but he grabs the mic, so he goes from, uh, he's, I, I wish I would have known, and this is, yeah, and he grabs the mic and he's like, sweat is a two, uh, 50% off. <laughs> and he does this introduction for the band in a Hugh Laurie voice. And it's so proper British and it's so awesome. Like he, he just throws himself in like I do too, you know. Make the best of it. Make the most of it. And he's been amazing. He's been one of the major reasons we raised as much money as we have because he's such a big star. And all over the world, we've gotten requests to play everywhere. It's because, of, you know, it's a lot of times it's because of him and, and Terry Hatcher, these big, big, big names. It's great. Really cool. It's been tough sometimes that people want to play with us and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. get a series. It's been like, it's such a balance. He sounds terrible. It's like, yeah, but dude, he stars the Goldbergs. Come on. Uh, but anyway, it's been, it's been a great journey. He's such a good friend. It's awesome. So now when somebody on YouTube is going to ask, can they buy your records on vinyl? Oh, we're not on vinyl. We have a, a thing, um, one uh, DVD called Hog and All the Covers, and that's, um, you can buy that, that <laughs> donate, the money goes to charity, and then also the songs on the, on the house soundtrack. Those songs I really recommend. Dave Grohl was there, he didn't produce us, but the guys um, for the Food Fighters produced us, and it's, it, we did these, we also, oh, that, actually, I'm sorry, that was for, um, David Lynch has a charity, and we did it for the David Lynch Children's Charity, and we did a song that we actually end our show with. Um, and But there's two songs also on the house soundtrack that are awesome. We do a version of You Can't Always Get What You Want with Hugh singing. And then we also do Minnie the Moocher, which is like, you know, Cat Calloway's song. And David Foster produced those two songs for us. And we, shot, and we recorded them at Capitol Records in the room where the Beatles recorded. I'm sitting there, this is a crazy story. I'm sitting there, they're like, all right, we're going to start with the drummer. And I'm like, what, what's Alan? I'm, like, I'm literally, I'm so nervous. It's fucking David Foster, and you're at Capitol Records. He's like, all right, so that's where Ringo was. So you just go in there. And they put me in this room with my drum kit, and I, they, they've got a drum tech for me. So all I had to do was show up. You know, totally felt like a rock star session guy. And I show up, and they're like, oh, so here's a click track. And if you, for those of you who don't know, drummers, you know, they have a, in your ear this click track, and they set it to exactly what they want. And if you've never played to it before, it's really hard, because you're just, you know, I'm just going by what I know, but no, you got to listen to it. And it might be good if it's just, you know, counting down four, but then <laughs> stick to it, and you're all over the place. So I tried, and, and it's, dude, it's, you can't always give 
it's like this, this is it, this is it, you know? And then uh, it, we did a little variation of it, but still, easy, right? Couldn't get it. I couldn't get it, I was too nervous, I couldn't get it. So finally, David was like, uh, hit the snare. I was like, he's like, yeah, I kick the drum. Okay, go to lunch. I was like, what? I come back. <laughs> the sound engineer is taking it. Yeah, pretty good job, man. <laughs> so then I went in and I was like, let me just do it. I, did it. But I was so nervous. That was actually on one of the DVD extras of House where they actually brought in and uh, they they talked to Hugh about it. And it was a oh really? It was yeah. They talked to Hugh about it after the fact, and he was, he was as nervous as you are. Yeah, like he actually said, like I cannot believe I'm in the same room with David Foster. Like, yeah. Oh my God, this is just—it was crazy. crazy. We have some pictures. I took some really cool pictures. Put the camera down here, and the board is here, and and I'm leaning over here, and Hugh and David Foster. I mean, just amazing. Those moments—that's what I'm saying. Like the charity stuff, it's so rewarding, and it's been—it's been incredible to be able to. We also have done some Make-A-Wish stuff that's like that no one really knows about. Small stuff, but. It's makes, it made the biggest impact, you know, like there was a girl who had cancer and she, Make-A-Wish doesn't do international wishes, they don't grant international wishes, so this girl wanted to go to Paris, that was her lifelong dream to go to Paris, and so she was at Shakey's, at a, you know, at the pizza place, so pizza parlor, and she's sitting there and they're celebrating a year in remission, but she was having some trouble, and her friends were there and they had all these balloons, and then suddenly we walked out. All of us, and there's no one else there, but like eight people, her mom, her dad, and her boyfriend, and we walk out, and she's like, what the fuck? Like, that was her reaction. <laughs> Hugh Ori is standing there, you know, and, and she's like, what's going on? And he said, well, we heard that you want to go to Paris. And she's like, what? And I said, you're going to Paris, and you're going with your boyfriend, and here's five grand, and you're going to spend money, and she was like, what? And then we had a limo that picked her up the night after that, we had a show, all of her family came to the show, and so it was like, didn't cost you know. We raised all this money and given. She was so moved. She was shaking. She had the best time. That's one person, and we can only do that if you are writing the check and doing it, you know. Because um, we get a lot of money to these charities, and you hope that they're using the money in the right in the right way. But um, yeah, it's just amazing stuff like that. It's just so I do important. a lot with kids with uh, cancer. Oh, you do? Yeah, and a Christmas party for the kids in the shelter. Too. Oh my God! So you know. It's the best. It's the most rewarding job ever. Yeah. It's well, it's not job to pay, but it's how I spend my life. Yeah. I mean, there's that, and then there's you know acting on a movie where you know as soon as an actor gets there, they're like, "Where's my thing? How come I don't have a thing? Where's my room? What's my thing?" I'm like, "Man, you want an actor to complain? Give him a job." <laughs> that's how you get an actor to complain. Um, but that's you know just all you see at people that are just happy, happy, happy. And also, I've gone through. You know, we've gone through some terrible, terrible stuff, you know, with my son, and he's doing great, and luckily, thank God, you know. And uh, we were in the hospital once, this was crazy, and there was a, we were there for so long, he had brain surgery in Chicago, and there was a young kid that I kept seeing at the cafeteria downstairs, and um, like a college-age kid, and finally I went up to him, I'm like, how you doing, man? It's just the two of us at three in the morning, you know? And um, and he's he's like, yeah, no, it's, we're, we're in the room next to you, and I'm like, the room next to us is where they store all the machines. And he's like, no, we're in the middle of that room. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He has a little baby and all these machines. That was a lung, that heart, and then, and you're like, you know, he just, you, it puts everything in perspective, you know, and their baby made it, and their baby was fine, which was great. But it was, it's one of those things where every time you do a charity thing or you come across people, you're like, oh, okay, you know, I gotta be thankful. I mean, all this is really nice, and it's great to sit here, and great to be in my position and everything, but it doesn't mean anything. It's all, you know, family, and.
and all that stuff. That's the most important stuff. And that's why when I see everybody having a great time here, it's just awesome. It's so great. Honestly, I really mean that. It's like having had days where you're like, please let my son survive, you know, or, or get through this. So uh, anyway, sorry to bring the room down. <laughs> Did your son at least get to go see you on Star Wars? Oh, dude, Jake's, Jake's a normal pain in the ass 18-year-old now. I mean, he's just, he's totally, and I say, use the word normal, he could have a seizure at any time, but he's seizure-free, thank God, I shouldn't say that while I'm not in L.A., but he's, uh, he's doing great, thanks to his medication, thanks to marijuana. Huh? Uh. Yes, all the time. Let me tell you something, that oil... Oh, yeah, CBD. Let me tell you, I mean, he doesn't smoke it, but it's the oil. Oh, it's been incredible for him. But he's doing, he's doing really great. And yeah, the best thing ever that happened was Milo was supposed to have a seizure on Heroes. Okay, Milo Ventimiglia. So we're shooting, and Jake happens to be visiting that day. So Jake's on the set, and he's hanging out. He, he now works with me. I direct a bunch, and he's, he's with me. He'll stand in for me when I'm acting. Jake wants to be in the business, and he's doing great. Um, Anyway, Milo's, and Milo's so sweet, and he's like, wait, you know what, um, just cover saying, goes over to Jake, goes, hey, Jake, so what should I do? I mean, should I, is it like, should I shake like this? Should I, uh, should I, uh, and Jake was like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? I'm the one having <laughs> My son. <laughs> and it was so true. It's like he's the last person that would actually know what it looks like. Oh man. Yeah. Um, what would be your best advice for living your nerdiest life, your best life, following your bliss? Like advice that you would pass on that you've gotten from someone? Um, well, from my dad. My dad is uh, has always been like an inspiration for me, and, and it's it sounds like a Nike slogan, but it just go. Like, that is what I've always learned from my dad. If someone says, hey, there's this really cool thing, and it's a pain in the ass to get there, and it's three hours away, go. If you're sitting at the airport, and somebody starts talking to you, and you're like, don't look at them like they're a freak, talk to them. You never know who you're going to meet. Don't be afraid. There's, you know, um, I mean, it's kind of, it's, you're asking specifically about nerdy, but I love just being open to people. I met a guy on Twitter, and we started a business and started an app together, and it's like, just don't be afraid. Like, people are great. Like, the world, we sit at home and watch TV and all we see is the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. And sure enough, it's, that's happening right here in a country that's this big. And everybody, everybody in this country and everybody in this country, they all love each other. The people at the top want to send troops in and kill each other. It's like, it's just go to, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. You never know who you're going to meet. Because um, I've had the best experiences meeting people where I least expect it on a plane, in an elevator, in an elevator <laughs> to make it. Um, you were them. Oh, that was me last night. I, you know. Is that going to be underneath the bear tag tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. What happens to GMX? <laughs> it's out on YouTube. <laughs>